0: Most of the time when I begin a message, I might start out with some kind of long introduction uh, or maybe a joke, usually a joke that's not all that funny. Um, Or I might start out with a story. But as I was writing this message, I just really felt God lead me to put all that aside today and what I'd really like to do is start out with Scripture. Because, and I'm pretty confident in that decision, because I feel like when you come here and you fight the traffic and you go through checking, you go through all those things, you don't come here to listen to me. You don't come here to listen to a speaker. You come here to listen to the Word of God. And um, that's, that's why we're here today. That's why we're here. And there's a verse in, in Ephesians that I think we really would like to start with today because it's a really, really fantastic verse and it has so much to say to us. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this. This is so good. For we are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. That lights me up. I, 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 because, and, and if you want to know why it lights me up, it's this. When God looks at me, I feel like there's so many other words he could use in the word masterpiece, and yet that's the word he chooses to describe you and to describe me. You know, we live in a culture where a lot of people struggle with self-worth today. A lot of people struggle with seeing themselves in a negative light, and all you have to do is open up your phone and look at social media, and you see it. You see so many people who struggle with self-worth, and maybe you'd say, Stephen, that's me. And, and if, if you and I, if we were going to have an honest talk, you would say, Stephen, I'm sorry, but when I look into the mirror, I see a failure. When I look in the mirror, I see a failure. But what you don't realize is that, is that if God could talk to you today, he would say, I'm sorry, but I don't see what you see. I don't see a failure. I see my masterpiece. Maybe you'd say, Stephen, when I look in the mirror, all I see is a screw up. All I see is all the different things that I've done where I've messed up. But if God was talking to you right now, he would say, I'm sorry, but I don't see what you see. I don't see a screw up. I see my masterpiece. I see my masterpiece. Maybe you'd say, Stephen, when I look in the mirror, all I see is an addict because I have an addiction and it's tearing up my life. But if you could have a one-on-one conversation with God right now, he would say, I don't see you as an addict. There's more to you than that. There's more to you than your mistakes. When I look at you, I see my masterpiece. I see my masterpiece. That's what he sees. You want to know why he says that? Because he values you more than anyone else. He loves you more than anyone else. He has sacrificed for you more than anyone else. He has wept over you more than anyone else. And to him, your value doesn't come from what you say or what others say. It comes from what he says. It comes from what he says. And you know what he says when he looks at you? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. And this is why it's really important, whether you believe in God or not, It's so important because if there is no God, then we are not masterpieces. We are just animals who hit the evolutionary jackpot. In fact, if you want to know what the, if atheism had its own Bible, its version of Ephesians 2.10 would be this, for we are nature's accident. If you want to see atheism in one statement, here it is. Doesn't it look nice? This is atheism, for we are nature's accident. And here's the thing, if you want to believe that, you can. It is a free country. But here's the thing, even if you say you believe this, even if you say that you, even if you say, I don't believe that there is a God, I think deep down inside, part of you knows that you are not an accident. I think deep down inside, there's a part of you that knows that you are not an accident and that there is more to this world than what you can see. And not only does God exist, but he is actively trying to get your attention in one way or another. Even in the small things, he's trying to talk to you, isn't he? We are not nature's accident. We are God's masterpiece. We are masterpieces. We're talking about art in this series. We are masterpieces who carry the signature of the greatest artist ever. That's what we are. So that's not really the message today. (laughs) But it needs to be said to set up where we're going. So let me read you the whole verse, all right? In Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, so, oh, I love that word, so. What does that word so mean? It means purpose. It means when, he, when God created you, he had something in mind. So we can, God created us so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. What does that mean? Well, we've already established you're God's masterpiece. But this verse takes it a step further. It says, because you are God's masterpiece, you, God planned long ago for you to have a calling. Before you were even born, God was working on your calling. Before you were given a name, God, was, God planned to give you a calling. God was designing it and preparing it. Why? Because God, God wants you to do extraordinary things for his kingdom with the life that he has given you. And that's what a calling is. But that leads us to the question, how do you, how do you know what your calling is? And how do you know when God is calling you to do something? And that's that that can be a tricky question for a couple reasons. All right? First of all, God works in mysterious ways. I mean, he's not predictable. He's God. So, you know, he's mysterious. But there's another reason and that is sometimes it's hard to figure out if God is speaking to you or not. It can be difficult. <laughs> I heard a story the other day about a guy who went ice fishing for the very first time. And as he was ice fishing, he heard this booming voice. Sounded like the voice of God. And the voice said, there are no fish under the ice. He kind of freaked out, but he just sort of ignored it. And he went to another part of the ice, and he cut a hole, and he tossed his line in. And again, he heard this booming voice, there are no fish under the ice. And so finally, he looks up to heaven, and he says, Lord, is that you? And the voice said, no, you idiot, this is the rink manager. (laughs) That's a really stupid story. But the point is, um, sometimes, it's just hard, sometimes it's hard to figure out if the voice of God is speaking to you or not. And in the world we live in, where everybody's got their devices and social media and all these voices coming at you, it's really hard to figure out, what, what, what is God speaking to me, what's not? And so that, that makes it difficult to find your calling. And then on top of that, I think there's a lot of cheesiness and, frankly, nonsense out there surrounding the idea of finding your calling. Now, I'm going to describe a scenario, and I'm not, I'm not saying this happens here. I doubt it happens in New Spring, but I think sometimes in the Christian community, this is what can happen. Sometimes you can get together with a group of Christian friends, and it's like a Bible study, and everybody's getting really spiritual, and you, know, you feel every, it's so intense, and you know everyone's going around talking about their hopes and dreams. And what will happen is sometimes everybody will turn to you and, be, and say, hey, have you found your calling? Have you found your calling yet? Do you know what your calling is? Because you're a Christian, and that's really important. Have you found your calling yet? And the pressure is real right and here's what will happen sometimes if the answer is no it's amazing how all of a sudden you start getting like facebook messages with buzzfeed articles saying top 10 ways to find your calling because we all know buzzfeed is an extraordinary source of spiritual wisdom and guidance and 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 you know and you're just like hey this is not helpful and next thing you know you'll get another if you ignore that you'll get another facebook message with an article saying top 10 reasons you're ignoring your calling and it's like not helpful the pressure is real the the pressure is real. There's so much pressure to find your calling. You've got to find your calling. Have you found your calling yet? Can I just set you free for a moment in Jesus' name and say a calling is not something you find. A calling is something you receive. A calling is not something that you go looking for. A calling is something that goes looking for you. Because God, like, like we said, you're God's masterpiece. So that means before you were even born, God was planning your calling. God, a calling is God laying something on your heart. I think a lot of Christians today have the idea that a calling is sort of like, you know, when they think about finding their calling, they picture it like some sort of spiritual Easter egg hunt, you know? You know, God sets you loose and He's like, all right, go find it. Five minutes later, you're like, hey, I found it. It was behind the couch the whole time. You know? That's, that's not how this works. A, a calling is when God lays a burden on your heart. And He wants you to follow that burden. That's what a calling is like. It's mysterious, but it's fantastic. And why does that happen? Why? Because Ephesians 2:10 says you're God's masterpiece, and because of that, God has a calling that He has prepared for you. But that, that leads us to the main question of today's message, and that is this, what, is, what does a calling look like? What does it look like for God to call you? Well, since this series is called The Jesus Gallery, I would really like to paint a picture for you of what it looks like to be called by God. 2,000 years ago, there were four fishermen who were cleaning their nets by the Sea of Galilee. You might have heard of them. Their names were Andrew, Simon Peter, James, and John. And here's what you need to know about them. They didn't expect much out of life. They grew up believing that God exists and that God's laws are important. But the idea that God had a special plan for their lives never even crossed their minds. Because after all, they're not kings. They're not prophets. They're not leaders. They're not wealthy. They're not influential. They're not celebrities. They're nobodies. They're fishermen. If you want to know what their life is like, their life is like this, day after day, night after night, all they do is grab a boat and some nets and they go out on the lake and they just try to catch enough fish to put food on the table. But then one day everything changes because Jesus, the son of God, pays them a personal visit. He sees them cleaning their nets and he walks up to Simon and he says, hey, Simon, I want you to get in your boat and I want you to take your nets and I want you to go out to the deep part of the water and I want you to cast your nets over to one side." And Simon Peter responds, he says, "'Sir, with all dear respect, last night me and the guys were out there on the lake all night and we didn't catch anything. But if you say so, if you say so, we'll try it one more time.'" And so Simon, Simon Peter and Andrew, they sail out to deep water and they cast their nets. And here's what's funny. Most of the time when they cast their nets, they can pull them right back out again because either there's nothing in the nets or there's maybe a couple dozen fish or something like that. But this time, they can't pull them out. They're stuck. I, I, I just, I just want to see this because I think this is hilarious. They're stuck holding their nets over the side of the boat because all of a sudden, it's really, really heavy, and they can't pull it out. And so they have to call for backup. They have to call James and John, who are still standing on the shore, and they're saying, Hey, help us. Either there's a thousand fish in this net or we are really out of shape. Help us. And so they call James and John, and James and John come swimming up to the boat. And it takes four men just to pull all of those fish onto the boat. And when they empty the nets, they're shocked. They've been fishermen all their lives, and they have never, ever seen anything like this. There's so many fish that it starts to sink the boat. And so it's really a miracle that they make it back to shore in one piece. But I love this picture because I can see them going back to shore in this sinking boat, and I can see Simon Peter and Jesus looking at each other. And in my imagination, I see Jesus with sort of a smile on his face like, that's really something, huh? And the Bible says that after all this happened, Simon Peter looked at the miracle, he looked at the fish, and he he turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, depart from me, go away from me. I am a sinful man, I don't deserve to be around you. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, Simon. From now on, you will fish for people. And so Andrew, Simon, James and John pulled their boats up on the shore, and the Bible says they left everything and followed Jesus, and they became the first disciples. Now, I understand that the way God calls the the disciples and the way God calls you and me might be a little different, right? It might not involve fish for us, okay? But there's really powerful lessons for us to learn in this story about what it means to be called by God. And so I just want to talk about four lessons that we learn from this story about what a calling from God looks like. And here's the first lesson. God often calls us unexpectedly, unexpectedly. God calls us unexpectedly. You know what I find really funny? The Bible doesn't say that the disciples had any idea Jesus was going to stop by that day. They had no clue. When they woke up that morning, they just thought it was going to be another day at the office. right? They didn't know Jesus was gonna stop by. It wasn't written in the sky. You know, Simon Peter didn't wake up that day and look up to the sky and there wasn't a message saying, Simon, the son of God will visit you today. Heed these words or thou shall be smited. You know, it didn't happen. And the Bible doesn't say that an angel visited them or anything. They had no idea. Jesus just showed up on a normal day when the, when the disciples were just doing what they do. And I think the same is true for you and me. When God calls us, it's going to be at a moment where we don't even expect it. There's not going to be something written in the sky. There's not going to be fireworks. He's just going to come along and tap you on the shoulder when you least expect it and lay a burden on your heart. And so what does that mean? It means that you should constantly be trying to get closer to God, this is so important, so that when he calls, you are in a position to listen to his call. Let me illustrate. I know we got some singles in the house right now. We got some singles who are ready to mingle. And um, for all of you single people who are looking, I got a hypothetical question for you. Let's just say that there's a person that you've really had your eye on, right? And you've been shamelessly stalking this person's social media just a little bit. And you know it happens. and you've been, you've, been trying to, you've been trying to talk to this person. And let's just say that one day you finally get a chance to have a conversation with this person that you've been wanting to talk to. And in the middle of the conversation, you find out that not only do you like them, but they like you. So now things are getting interesting now. And, so, and then let's just say that in this conversation that they tell you, hey, you know, I, I really would like to call you sometime soon. Can you give me your number? And in the next few days, I'm going to call you and we are going to go out. I don't know when I'm gonna call you because I'm, I've, I've got a crazy week, but I am calling you and we are going out. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're in that situation, how much you wanna bet you're checking your phone every two seconds that week? How much you wanna bet that every single moment of that week, your volume's turned all the way up? Doesn't matter if you're in a meeting, it doesn't matter what, you've got that thing cranked up to 11. And, and it doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m. in the morning, you're, you're, you're grabbing your phone off your nightstand, doing this. You know, did did, did he call? Did he call? Did she call? Did she call? And you're obsessed and your friends are trying to calm you down. And every time that phone vibrates, man, you're whipping it out of your pocket like you're whipping a revolver out of a holster, you know? (laughs) Why is that? Why is that? And this is so big. Because you care about this person so much that when they call, you will do anything to make sure you answer the phone. Why do we understand this concept in terms of human relationships, but not in terms of our relationship with God? Because you don't know when God's going to call you. I don't know when God's going to lay something on my heart. But here's the thing. We have to be in a position to listen to that calling. We have to be checking for that calling. We have to be listening to him. We have to be praying to him. We need to be, we need to be getting in sync with him so that when he calls, we know it. You know what breaks God's heart? How many times has he wanted to call you and me to talk to us? And yet, because we are not constantly looking and waiting and listening for his call, we miss it. How many times But what if we were, what if we spent every morning opening the Bible and praying and saying, God, did you call me? Did you call me? Do you have anything to say to me? I love you and I want to hear from you because I know you're a good God and you've got a plan for your life. I'm your masterpiece. And so I want to hear from you. Did you call me? Did you call me? If you do that, you're going to be amazed at how much God talks to you. You're going to be amazed because he will. Now let me go back to the illustration I just mentioned a second ago. Let's just say that that week, after this person says they're gonna call you, let's just say that that week, instead of checking your phone every two seconds, you got your phone turned off the whole week. And then let's just say you get to the end of that week and you're hanging out with your friends and you're saying, you know what, I just don't think that he's interested. I just don't think that she's interested. Now they're gonna look at you like you're from Mars, all right, because they're gonna be like, hey, have you turned your phone on? Because if you turn it on, you might find out they've been trying to reach you. And you know what? There's so many people, especially in my generation, there's so many people walking around saying, I just don't think God has anything to say to me. I just don't think God loves me. I don't think he's trying to get a hold of me. I don't think he has a calling for my life. And yet, if you ask them, well, when was the last time that you really got got, got together with God in prayer in the morning? When was the last time that you really talked to him? It's like, uh. I don't really remember the last time. And here's the thing. You know what's happening? And I'm not judging because this happens with all of us. But you know what's happening? Your spiritual cell phone has been turned off. And you need to turn it on because if you turn it on, you might find out that not only has God been trying to reach you, you got 25 missed calls from the Almighty and 15 voicemails. This is what I'm saying. God is trying to get a hold of you because why? Because you have a calling. You are are a priceless child of God. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your life, and often he will call you, he will call you unexpectedly. That's why it says that this is, this is so important. Because God can call us at any time, prepare yourself to respond at any time. You don't know when it's gonna be that God's gonna lay something on your heart, but prepare yourself to respond. Here's the second way that God calls us. God calls us unexplainably, unexplainably. You know what I think is really funny? When Jesus tells Simon Peter to, to take his boat out onto the lake, he doesn't tell him what's going to happen. He doesn't tell him that he's going to catch any fish, much less a bunch. He just says, hey, this is what I want you to do. Go do this. And when, later on, when Jesus calls the disciples and he says, hey, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he doesn't give them any explanation. He doesn't say, hey, well, after you follow me, so this is what's going to happen, all right? Just a road map. You know, I'm going to do a bunch of miracles. I'm going to feed thousands of people. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. And then I'm going to die on the cross, and you're going to be really sad, and you're all going to scatter like a bunch of cowards. But then when I rise from the grave, you're going to be set on fire with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to go preach to the world, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. He doesn't do that. He just says, hey, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. No explanation. No explanation. No explanation. But you know what the disciples said? We're going to follow you anyway. And that's the way God's going to call you. I think this is, this is how I can be sometimes. I think whenever God lays something on our heart, there's a part of us that wants God to hand us a contract. right? And in the contract are all the good things that are going to happen if we follow his calling and all the bad things. And then if we agree, we sign our name at the bottom. But that's not the way this goes. You know, if, if God told us all the good things that were going to happen, we would get full of ourselves. If God told us all the bad things that were going to happen, we would be terrified and run away. No, God, is, God wants us to accept that calling based on faith. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we live by faith, not by sight. And when God calls you, that's the way this works. And if, if God is calling you to do something and you're having a hard time with the faith aspect, this is probably the most serious part of the message right now. When I was working on this message, I was thinking about something. God has given you and me really a brief amount of time compared to eternity. Whenever I'm in heaven, I'm going to have forever to reflect on what opportunities I did and did not take. When I'm in, when, let me tell you this. I don't want to reflect forever on what I could have done. I want to reflect forever on what I was glad I did. I, we don't, when, when we get to heaven, we're going to have forever to think about right now. We don't want to think about what we could have done. We want to think about what we were glad we did. And if you're sort of on the edge, if you're on the fence, and God's been tugging at your heart, but you've been pushing back, think about that. Think about it. It's important. And here's the thing. If, 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 if you and I, if we could talk, if I could bring Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, if I could bring them up on stage right now, if we could have a round table discussion, you know, I, if you were to ask them, hey, what was it like to follow Jesus, they're going to tell you, they're not going to tell you it was all a bunch of roses. They're going to tell you four, all four of them faced extreme persecution, three out of four of them were martyred. They had a rough go of it sometimes. But if you were to ask them would you do it again? I bet they would say we would do this. we would do it again. We would do it again every day and twice on Sunday. Because they realized that because of Jesus they changed the world. Because of the work that these disciples did You are sitting here today. If it wasn't for what the disciples did all those years ago following Jesus, we wouldn't have the church that we have today. The reason why the church is reaching millions of people across the planet, the reason why people are getting saved, the reason why the Holy Spirit is moving is because Jesus used these men to spread the word. Was it difficult? Yes. But it all started with a bunch of guys saying, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what this is going to bring. But Jesus, we're going to follow you anyway. We're going to follow you anyway. When it comes to following a calling, faith is better than an explanation. Faith is better than an explanation. Here's the third way that God calls us, and this is the most important point. God calls us undeservedly. Man, I wish I could spend this whole message just talking about this, because I feel this. God calls us undeservedly. You know, it's so easy for us to put the disciples up on some sort of pedestal. It's so easy for us to think of them like they're larger than life. And and part of that is, if if you look, because we're talking about art, if you look at the Renaissance paintings of the disciples, they look larger than life. You know, they got the halos on, and, you know, they got the massive beards, and it doesn't even look like they're walking. It looks like they're floating, you know? And it doesn't matter whether you're looking at art by Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello. I just realized I named all the mutant ninja turtles. Um, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the original Renaissance artists. It doesn't matter if you're, for all of you like over 45, just forget what I just said. Um, but If you look at these works of art from the Renaissance, it's really easy to get the feeling like these guys were superhuman. You know, there's regular Christians, and then there's these guys. There's no way that they were like us. There's no way that they could have had you know, problems or maybe an issue. Let me just burst that bubble really quick. You want to know what these guys were really like? These were a bunch of misfits, misfits. They had so many issues. It's a miracle they did anything at all. You want me to just go down the line really quick? Let's just go down the line. Let's start with Peter. Peter had what we call foot and mouth disease. Because every time he spoke, you didn't know what was going to come out of his mouth. And most of the time, it wasn't that helpful. (laughs) Jesus had to shut him up over and over and over again to keep him out of trouble. And on top of that, he could be careless, violent. And oh, yeah, he denied he even knew Jesus three times. Thomas, oh, don't even get me started. Thomas was a sarcastic smart aleck who had a snide remark for everything. In John 11:16, 16, basically, Thomas is making fun of what Jesus has to say. He's mocking it in a way with Jesus standing right there. If I was him, I wouldn't do that. But he does it anyway. And oh yeah, we call him Doubting Thomas because no matter what Jesus had to say, Thomas was always the one second guessing it. In fact, when Jesus rose from the grave, all the disciples were so excited and they, they, they told Thomas, Jesus has rose from the grave, aren't you excited? And Thomas said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Not until he appears right in front of me and I can put my hand in the side and my hand in the wound in his hand, then I'll believe. And so Jesus has to pay a special visit to Thomas And Thomas has to put his hand in Jesus' side and his hand in his hand in order to believe. And Jesus said, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Yeah, Thomas was a real gem. James and John, they had rage issues, anger issues, so much so that Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. And they were so prideful that they asked their mama to ask Jesus to give them special benefits that the rest of the disciples wouldn't get. Simon the zealot? Before Before he met Jesus, he belonged to a terrorist organization called the Zealots. And maybe you'd say, well, what about the rest of them? You didn't name the rest of them. Well, we do know that after three years of walking and talking with Jesus, all of the disciples would waste time arguing with each other over which one was the greatest. This was not the A team. This was not even the B team. This was the C team, the D team, the E team, or the F team. A bunch of misfits. But when God, when Jesus looked at him, did he see misfits? No. He saw what? Masterpieces. And he said, These are my masterpieces. I know they look like misfits, but deep down inside, before they were even born, I had a plan for their life, and they are going to become legends, and they're going to change the world. That's how Jesus saw them, because God calls people who don't deserve it. If you don't believe it, look at 1 Corinthians. It says this, brothers and sisters. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. This is what it looks like to be called by God. If you say, I'm unqualified and I don't deserve it, fantastic. You're exactly who he wants. You're exactly who he wants. Congratulations. And remember, remember, what, remember what Simon Peter said when he saw Jesus do that miracle with the fish? Simon Peter, he went to Jesus and he said, I, I, I don't even, I, I, go away from me, Jesus. I don't deserve to be with you. I am a sinful man. He said, I am a sinful man. And you know what Jesus could have said? He could have said, you know what, Simon Peter, you're right. I've been watching you your whole life. And you are a screw up. I've seen the way you talk to people. I see how careless you are with your words. I see what you do behind closed doors. You know what? Yeah, you are a sinful man. I'm going to go down to Jerusalem, and I'm going to find some really skilled people. You know, goodbye. But Jesus didn't say that. What did he say? He said, Simon, come follow me. Jesus doesn't even want to talk about his sin. He wants to talk about his future. He doesn't want to talk about his past. He wants to talk about his future. Say, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. It doesn't matter that you don't think you deserve it. That's the point, it doesn't matter. Come follow me, that's our God. Here's the thing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table. It only matters whose table you're gonna bring it to. You can have nothing, just like the disciples. Did the disciples have much to bring to the table? No, you can have very little to bring to the table, but if you bring it to God's table, you're gonna change the world. On the other hand, you can have all the talent, and you can have all the gifts, and you can have all the beauty, and you can have all the influence, and you can have all the followers. But if you bring it to the table of this world with, with what this world wants you to do, it's going to add up to nothing. It doesn't matter what you have to bring to the table. It matters what, whose table you're going to bring it to. See, here's the thing. If the disciples would have offered their lives to anyone but Jesus, we wouldn't know their names today. But it's because they brought what little they had to the Son of God that we know their names. We know them better than we know the Roman emperors. That's how important this is. We know who they are because they said, hey, Jesus, we don't deserve to be around you. We're sinful people. But what little we have, we're going to bring it to you. God can use that attitude. And so if you feel God calling you to do something great, but you feel unqualified, welcome to the club. I'm unqualified. There's so many reasons why I shouldn't even be up here preaching to you today. But but because I've brought what little I have to God, God says, all right, you preach. If you feel unqualified, that's the point. The only problem would be if you did felt qualified. The only problem would be if you felt like you did deserve to be called by God. That's called self-righteousness. And God has no use for it. (laughs) I once heard about a lady who was really self-righteous. And she, she felt like it was her mission in life to thump people on the head with her Bible. You ever meet someone like that? And so she felt like it was her mission to correct everybody. And uh, so she was on a bus one night, and this guy, he got on the bus, and he looked really disheveled. You know, his clothes were torn, and he smelled like alcohol and smoke. And he sat down right next to this lady. And so she looked him up and down, and, he said, Mister, and she said, Mr., I don't know if you know this, but you're going straight to hell. And he looked back at her, and his eyes got really wide. And he said, oh, no, lady, I'm on the wrong bus again. (laughs) Self-righteousness doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you, and it doesn't help whoever God wants you to reach. You know what an army of self-righteous Christians, you know what that looks like? It looks like the best advertisement for atheism that atheism's ever had. God didn't call us to feel like we deserve to be called by him. He called us to be like Simon Peter who said, I'm, I'm a sinful person. I don't even deserve to be anywhere near Jesus, but because, I'm gonna, but because I believe in him, I'm gonna give what little I have to him and that's gonna be enough. That's the kind of attitude that God can use. And salvation is the same way. None of us deserve to be saved. There's, some, there's a lot of religions out there, many of them. And all across the world, there's so many people trying to earn salvation. It's like the Led Zeppelin song. They're trying to buy the stairway to heaven. And there's so many people out there all, all across the world that feel like, I got to earn salvation. But here's the thing, you, none of us deserve it. That's why it's salvation. We don't deserve it, but God said, even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to send my son to die for you because I love you. And it's not about if you deserve it or not, it's about the fact that I love you and I forgive you. That's the message. Here's the last way that God calls us, and I'll be done. God calls us unrelentingly. He calls us unrelentingly. You know what I've discovered about God? He doesn't give up easy. If God has laid a calling on your heart, he's not just going to call. He's going to call and call and call and call and call and call until he gets your attention. And and, and here's the thing. Even if if you say, I'm just not sure if I can follow God's calling and you're keeping him at arm's length, you know what he's going to do? He's going to keep chasing you. Remember the prophet Jonah? God told Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. And Jonah said, Nineveh? Those are horrible people. I'm not going to Nineveh. And so he, he got a first class ticket on a ship going as far away from Nineveh as he could possibly get. And you know what, God? God didn't just wring his hands and say, well, I guess his calling is through. What a screw up. God sent a whale. And somehow the whale outran the ship. And the whale swallowed him up. And God said, all right, fine. I'm going to chase after you. He, and that whale swam all the way back to the shore, and the whale spat him up on, on, on the shore. And, God, and the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And God said, I want you to go preach to Nineveh because my call is unrelenting. And Jonah preached to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented of their sin and turned to the Lord. And Peter, remember when Peter told Jesus, I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to be around you. You know, you, you know what Peter's saying? He's basically saying, look, I'm going to hold you at arm's length because this isn't going to work out, Jesus. This isn't going to work out. You know what I'm like. And yet Jesus was unrelenting with Peter. He said, no, no, Peter, you have a calling. You are a masterpiece. I have a calling for you. Jesus was unrelenting with him. And not only was Jesus unrelenting with Peter then, but he was unrelenting later on. Because if you remember, Peter, what did he do? He denied he even knew Jesus three times. And Peter, Peter felt like, I blew it. I've messed up my calling. I don't deserve it. And so, but, and so Peter just decided, I'm just going to call it quits. I'm going back to fishing. But what did Jesus do? After he rose from the grave, he went and he found Peter. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And three times Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And what does that mean? It meant your calling is still here. I want you to feed my lambs, as in I want you to go preach to the world, and you're going to become the, the leader of my church. And upon this, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Keep, keep going. Your calling is still here. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you, you made mistakes. You don't deserve it. You never did. You never did deserve it. But my call is unrelenting. My call is unrelenting. Let me ask you this. Do you have anybody on your contact list on your phone right now who just doesn't believe in leaving a voicemail? And when they call you, they don't wanna just hear a recording of you. They wanna hear you. And so they will call you 25 times for you to pick up the phone. God is like that. Because when he has something to say to your heart, he doesn't wanna just listen to part of you. He doesn't want you to just get back to him someday when you feel like it's convenient. He wants you. He wants you to answer him. He wants you to answer him now. If God is calling you today, if God is calling you to preach, then answer him now. If God is calling you to teach, then answer him now. If God is calling you to volunteer here, then answer him now. If God is calling you to be a caregiver for those who have none, then answer him now. If God is calling you to be an influence, then answer him now. If God is calling you to talk to people halfway around the world about him, then answer him now. If God is calling you to talk to people and you're across the street about him, then answer him now. And most importantly, if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus, if he's not a part of your life, and right now you feel him calling to you saying, come home, I love you, I forgive you, doesn't matter what you've done. You don't deserve it, but I, 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 I love you so much and I'm calling to you, if that's the way you feel right now, then answer him now. Don't answer him tomorrow. Don't answer him next week. Don't answer him next month. Answer him now. Why? Because this world doesn't need people who let God's calls go to voicemail. This world needs people who answer God's calls today. Here's here's my last point. If God calls you, call him back. If if he's calling you, call him back. That's what the disciples did. Andrew, Peter, James, and John, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the disciples said, all right, we'll do it. They didn't get into a little huddle and debate the pros and cons. They just said, all right, Jesus, we'll follow you. And so the Bible says they left their nets behind and their boats behind. And they said, we're leaving our old life behind and we're following you. We're gonna let you lead the way, Jesus. And this is what I think is so important. The disciples said, it doesn't matter that this is unexpected. It doesn't matter that we can't explain it. It doesn't matter that we don't deserve it. We have decided. We have decided to follow Jesus.
1: Though none go with me I still will follow Though none go with me I still will follow Though none go with me I still will follow No turning back No turning
0: You know, today we've been talking about God calling us. And the most important call that God can give you is to accept him into your life. And you know, we talked about Jesus calling the disciples. You know, not long after that, Jesus the Bible says that he was put on a cross. They put a crown of thorns into his head, and they beat him, and they whipped him, and they drove nails into his hands and his feet, and they put him on the cross. If you want to know why is Jesus on that cross, it's, be, it's for you and for me. That's why he's on that cross. And if when you see a picture of Jesus on the cross, you know what he's doing? He's calling out to you. He's saying, I forgive you. I love you. I love you so much that I'm right here. And if you feel God calling to you saying, I love you, please come to me. If you feel that call in your heart, it doesn't matter if you've never been to church before or you've been in church your whole life, it doesn't matter. The call is still there. And he's saying, come home, I love you. And if that's you, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And these aren't magic words, but this is just calling out to God saying, yes, I want you in my life. I want you to change my life because I know I am your masterpiece. And you created me with a plan. You created me for a purpose. You created me because you love me. And if that's you, I'm just going to pray a prayer. and, and, And with every head bowed and with every eye closed, let's just pray together. And you can pray this silently if you want, or you can pray it out loud, either one. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know I've done wrong things. I know I've messed up. But I believe you love me. And I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and change me from the inside out. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, there's a card on the seat in front of you and it's called the Talk To Us card. And you can check the box that says you accepted Christ. And if you do that, there's the Info Center. If you go to the Info Center back there, there's a gift and a Bible we would love to give you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for week two of the Jesus Gallery. Have a wonderful Sunday.